Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 300 of the JV Club on my new home at Max Fun Network. I am so thrilled and excited to be here. This is such a great fit for me. Uh, I have long been a friend and fan of uh, Max Fun in general and shows on Max Fun. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with my podcast, you probably know I have uh, had the pleasure of interviewing about a bunch of people from Max Fun uh, who have their own podcasts. And uh, if you're not familiar with the podcast, I welcome you in. You've got uh, 299 episodes, I think, to comb through and enjoy from the archives. I've been doing the podcast for about six years and it has been uh, one of the pleasures and joys of my life. So if you are new to the podcast, welcome in, as I said. And uh, I just want to quickly acknowledge that uh, this is a very special episode for me. As those of you who listen to the pod know, I do not interview men really unless it's a live show or it's during the summer when I do my Boys of Summer series. But this felt like an appropriate time to sort of break my own rule because I had the opportunity to have Eric from Say Hi on. He is the person who uh, is solely responsible for the fantastic theme song Back Before We Were Brittle that I have had since the beginning of the podcast. And it was my first time really chatting with him live. We uh, exchanged some emails over time, but um, it could, I couldn't think of a better way to kind of ring in my new time here at Max Fun and uh, thank the person who gave me a, a podcast theme that has always so perfectly fit uh, the whole way I kind of felt about um, why I wanted to create the podcast and where it came from, its origin and all that. Uh, and I was such a fan of his and I was trying to pick which song of his I would ask him if I could use and eventually it just became so clear that there was no other choice but back before we were brittle because it's so perfect. So uh, I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, let me know what you think and uh, again, happy to be here at Max Fun. Ooh, janitors, one last thing. I am so excited to announce that we are reprising the JV Gift Club for this holiday season. If you're not familiar with it, it is a book exchange. It's super fun. I participate in it. I got some wonderful books the last couple of years. Uh, if you are interested in participating, and you can find this information as well on uh, the JV Club social media and on our website, you just need to email Tiana uh, at T-I-Y-A-N-A dot N-A-K-A-S-O-N-E at gmail.com by Friday, December 14th with your name and mailing address. Then you pick up a copy, new or used, of one of your favorite books from when you were a teenager and uh, factor in shipping costs when you shop so that you're not, you know, going crazy spending money. This is not what this is about. And then on Sunday, December 16th, you will receive a name and address to send your book to. So you will receive books and be sending books or just one book, uh, whatever works for you. But um, it's a blast and I can't wait to do it again. Hi. Hey, Eric. My name's Janet. Hi. Nice to meet you. <laughs> this is our first. This is the first time we've ever heard each other's voices live. Live. It's it's true. But as I told you, uh, I listened to a bunch of your podcasts on on this tour that I just finished. So I feel like we've been hanging out a lot. 
that makes me very happy because you have the kind of music that feels also very hangy outy. There's, oh. it's, 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 I'm sure people tell you that all the time, but it, it really is a sort of like the, you're so, it, the, the person who's t- telling stories in your songs is very accessible. Well, cool. That's, that's, that's always kind of the goal. You know what I mean? Yeah. How, how did the tour go? Tell me about the vibe of the living room tour. I, I, it was, it was great. It's the best tour that I've ever done. And normally when I come home from a tour, I am really grumpy and exhausted. And I'm telling myself I never want to go on tour again. But I came home from this one just sort of recharged and excited. Um, and That's so great. Yeah. It, I don't know. Um, well, I'll tell you about it just because maybe some of your listeners have never been to a living room show before um yeah basically we put out the word that we're looking for people to host in their actual living room and people submit their places and then we sell about 30 to 60 tickets a night and people show up and it's just me and an acoustic guitar unamplified and we just hang out and I play songs and I ended up sort of doing the bulk of the set for this tour as all requests from the entire catalog, which is something that made people really, really happy. Um, yeah. And uh, making people really, really happy right now is is sort of the goal. So I'm glad. That's so cool. God. So and and also, I mean, I would imagine uh, I could be wrong, but that it's maybe fun for you to be able to have a broader range of stuff, so that you're having some more variation going from place to place so not only are you really having these like very personal completely individual encounters every time you're going to a different living room but you're also like it stays spontaneous for you eh? it's true um I ended up sort of having to develop a little spiel at the at the beginning of the shows because people were starting to request some pretty deep cuts that I just don't remember how to play (laughs) so um you've been doing this a while yeah well, yeah, there's 12 records. So, um, and, and, you know, some of them just like have like 97 tracks of cool stuff going on right. on the records. And it just, it's just a waste of everyone's time to, to try and do it on the acoustic guitar. <laughs> I wonder if people were, I wonder if that there was sort of a, a, like a, like a, like a disappointment for somebody who was extra excited that they were going to not stump you, but that they were going to impress you with this thing that like you'd be, you'd been dying to play that was, but that's so obscure. The chances are that like he or she would be the only one who would request it. And instead the, it would, that you sort of would have to say, I mean, maybe not that one. I don't know. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Actually, there ended up being sort of one person at every show who I, I don't think they were even trying to stump me, but I think that they, genuinely just loved the deep cuts and yeah they would request one that I would I would say no that's a no song and I'd be like is there something else from that record maybe or another favorite song and they would request another one that just happened to be one that I couldn't play (laughs) and and so some people would go like five deep and eventually they would they would sort of just give up and and be like you know what just just play any song about vampires whatever you want (laughs) 
now do you as a fan like did you see a bunch of music shows growing up and do you still go to see uh live shows of others music of other musicians if so i did and i do i, I mean i've been to a billion shows over the, over the years um yeah i think less so these days just the older i get and the more I admit to myself and to other people that I go to bed at nine o'clock and I love that fact. Brother, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> and that's the other beautiful thing about these living room shows is that I, I was on at eight sharp every night and uh, typically in a hotel room at some point between 10 and 11, which is pretty, pretty different than when you go on tour. Uh, of rock venues. Oh yeah. So it was oh it was pretty pretty awesome. But yeah, to answer your question, I I've been going to shows forever, and I I wish a lot of them were at eight o'clock. I would enjoy them quite a bit more. Eric, I recently told someone that I would do improv all the time if it was something that people <laughs> could go to during lunch. Yeah. Like oh, I'll do like a nice brunch improv set on a Sunday. That sounds like a blast. The reason I asked is because I was I'm curious if you had. If you would, if you would be the person who would request something obscure, if you had the opportunity, or if you would be the person who wouldn't, and I say that as somebody who, you know, when I did see shows all the time, I, I it wasn't on purpose that I would somehow <laughs> be in love with the song that never got played, but that seems to, and that's probably like forty percent of attendees, and I just don't know it, but it would just always seem like, you know. There, there would just be like, if only the, surely they'll play this song. Like, this is their best song. Sure, right. no one talks about it, but <laughs> I recognize it as their best. And then it would just never get played. So I'm wondering if you find that you had the sort of the, the deep cut relationship to bands that you liked growing up. I certainly thought that, um, like, I would never be the one to yell those requests out. But oh, th- me there neither. Were, there also, certain... me neither. Good call. Good call. <laughs> and, and, you know, when I was much, much younger, I was... You know, I wasn't really going to like cool alternative underground rock shows. I was going to like, I mean, I, I grew up in Los Angeles, so I was going to shows at the Forum and big giant yeah. things like that. Where even if I was yelling it out from from the bleachers, I, <laughs> I, I doubt that that you know Motley Crue on their Doctor Feelgood tour would be like, oh, good request, <laughs> Eric. Let's play that one. Young man. Yes, you, young man. Yeah, I, uh, that's, you're so right. You're so right. I've never, well, because also my, my experience when people yell things out at live shows is like nine times out of 10, the person on stage has absolutely no idea what's being yelled. It's just sort of a cacophony of stuff that, you know, like, and then, and then it's also sort of tempered with like, once you, (laughs) <laughs> once you become the yeller outer it doesn't really matter if you're like making like you're making a request that's reasonable that's like a great song that the, you know maybe the person would love to play it's it, you you've entered into the territory of i love you right like like a yell becomes kind of it's like well we're you're speaking in a language that i associate also with just people waiting until the most quiet mellow moment of a show to scream that they love someone and everyone else kind of going like oh boy Right. And and also as a performer, you're, a lot of times you're sort of having to sort of arm yourself because you've recognized that there's like a danger person, whoever is yelling it out, who might, you know, try and derail the whole evening. So yeah. that always throws like a big wrench into the flow. <laughs> 
Well, I'm so glad that the that the living room shows ended up being such a positive experience and not, I mean, not to say that they would, but, you know, and but not something where it's just sort of a micro version of, uh, of, of what a bigger show feels like and that they actually did have sort of a texture all their own. Yeah, they, they really were, were great. And um, I'm so angry that I was out of town and never synced up with any one of the cities that you're in. I'm so angry. Oh, yeah, it's a shame. <laughs> well, I, I think that I'll do it again and hopefully hopefully we'll be in the same city. I, I know I was uh, I was sort of keeping an eye on your Instagram and stuff and we actually yeah. kept missing each other. I know I ha- I kept your email with your dates up um on like in a little window of my computer for for a while cuz I was like maybe if it's really close I'll yeah. um yeah. And and so what were the is there a cons- I I promise I won't spend the entire podcast talking about this tour but I just was so tickled by what you were doing and and I'm obviously trying to now recreate the memories that I never got to have but <laughs> but but what were this was there sort of a a consistency to like the type of person who tended to offer up their house was like this like this like the like the 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 knights had like a certain character, certain characteristics. Like, oh, well, the people who are bold enough to be to be not shy about coming to see you play in a living room, knowing there's going to be more interaction. Do you think that it sort of self-selected in a way to give you that experience? Well, I think it was a pretty pretty broad spectrum. Nice. I, I think that uh, the the vast majority were just say hi fans who had never done something like this before, and yeah. some of them were like, oh, this is amazing this is going to be the best thing in the world. And some of the others were like, oh, I want to do this, but I'm really nervous because I don't know you and I don't know the people who are going to show up. And right. in those situations, you know, I, I would show up sort of an hour before everyone else. And if someone was sort of dealing with anxiety, I would do my best to, to disarm that anxiety and be like, you know... I've already done 20 of these and everybody has been really, really cool. And at the end of the night, every host has been like, oh, I can't believe I was so nervous. That nice. really was the best thing in the world. And then there there were a few uh, veterans in there who have hosted a lot of living room shows. And that, that was always fun and interesting to walk into because they sort of had it dialed in and they were like, oh, sure. yeah, I do this all the time. I don't mind people in my house you know, which of these nine beverages can I offer you? And it was, <laughs> it was nice. Do you feel like you, you ended up being the sort of like messenger RNA that like would take something that you observed in somebody who was for, you know, for whom doing this was old hat and kind of take it to the next location and go like, Hey, listen, if, if someone's like, oh, I'm nervous about such and such to be able to go, well, I did observe that, you know, X, Y, Z, if that's helpful next time or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I did that. Both from what I learned from the veteran hosts and also just each night I would learn something different myself about, you know, where I was in the room and how the the seats were set up and, you know, where I should be in the room when people walk into the living room, which, I mean, that that's kind of its own other fun set of stories, but Apparently, when I stand next to the front door and I actually answer the door when people knock, uh, uh-huh. you get some of the best looks on people's faces as <laughs> as I open the door. It's like they knew you were going to be there, but it just becomes real in a new way if you're the person that actually opens the door for them. It's true, and and a lot of people, a lot of people said to me, you know, 
I didn't know if this was actually real, but I figured oh. that if it wasn't, I would only be wasting $20. But then when I walked in and actually saw you there, I was like, oh, this is real and this is amazing. That's so cool. Did you have any nervousness on your own not having done something like this about uh, the, the different kind? Because, you know, uh, obviously there are musicians who have, you know, tremendous stage fright. There are musicians who don't have stage fright, but who would never want to have the lights up on the audience because what allows them to feel comfortable or maybe even just when they're getting started, whether that wears off over time, is that they have that separation. There actually is a sense of, you know, I'm sort of... I'm in this mode, I'm sort of in this bubble of performing and the people out there are kind of doing their job. But when you start to blur the lines more and it's just you guys and everyone's lit the same and, you know, you're just in the same room as people, does that, was that nerve wracking at all? You know, I actually found that the reverse was true and I sort of have known that about myself for a long time. When I am on a stage and there's a bright light in my face, and the crowd is dark and I can't see anyone's faces or emotional reactions. To me, that's the worst. And the mm -hmm. best is not even in performing, but in any situation is to like be able to read people and be able to see if someone's either freaking out or enjoying themselves. And not having that separation made it a lot, lot easier for me to do, do my thing rather than the nerves sort of involved in okay you ready you're going out there you haven't seen any of these people before and you're not going to see what they look like or yeah. how they're responding to you now now go entertain us right. go 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 entertain right. us did were people would people sing along at your shows or was everyone sort of considerate of one another they would they would sing along some of them i would want to sing along and i would want others to sing along yet i also completely understand the person who's like I didn't come here to hear you sing Janet yeah well some some people were pretty shy um and other crowds were not shy at all and they just uh they just went for it and then there are certain songs in the set that I actually encourage people to sing along to and there was even one guy who was like the best whistler I've ever encountered who was like oh. whistling some of the synth parts from the record that I couldn't play because it was awesome. just an acoustic guitar and it was it yeah, was amazing. That is awesome. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. If you got people who are willing to do some beeps and boops yeah. too. I mean, listen, let's let's see if we can get that uh, show choir going of yeah. uh, of synth of synthesized instruments. Well, that actually leads me to the next question that I did not prepare and suddenly am thinking of because I prepare nothing on the podcast. <laughs> um, how did you start like because I have a sense of you composing and recording and the fact that, you know, part of what I I think I understood about you early on, whether or not it's like hard fact or if it's sort of part of like the mythos of say hi to your mom, is that it really does sort of engender this idea of like you too can be a smart, sensitive like like dark humored nerd in your bedroom making awesome music that is you know a great outlet um so it's easy to imagine you sort of doing like putting it all out there but just letting it go out there without being the person attached to it in public or did you start out like playing in coffee houses or playing you know in front of people on an acoustic guitar what was the beginning um for you like in that way or both yeah i mean so there there was a number of years of me playing music 
prior to me starting say hi and say hi to your mom. Um, and a lot of it was sort of the traditional slash like thing a guy who starts playing guitar in junior high it does and has done for all of eternity kind of <laughs> kind of stuff. I think there are cave drawings yeah. of guys playing guitar in junior high. Um, and I think that um, I sort of like to use my move to New York City as sort of a a marker in time for me because it's also when I started this band. But around that time, I was sort of learning that not every musician in the world who supports his or herself is on a giant mega label and is mega, mega famous and mm-hmm. sort of started to learn all of these things about like, oh, what what exactly is a record label? It just means that it's someone paying for all the stuff. Like you just got to pay to press the CDs and you got to pay a publicist and a radio promoter. And it doesn't have to be this like mysterious gatekeeper thing. You could just do it if you decide to do it. And so that sort of just for a lot of my life since then have has just sort of been the philosophy like, well, I want to do this thing. And all these people tell me I'm not allowed to do this thing. So let me just walk around those people and figure out a way to still do it and then flip them off as I'm (laughs) doing it. (laughs) Did you, when did you move to New York? How old were you? I was, uh, I think that I was 23. I moved there in the year 2000 and I was there for about seven years uh, before I moved to Seattle. And so your time in Los Angeles, were you in... I mean, obviously you mentioned the forum, Los Angeles, uh, for, for those of you who don't know, and by that I mean there's probably like three people, but I love you three people. Uh, Los Angeles kind of, you can say Los Angeles that encompasses a tremendous space and you can say Los Angeles as a substitute for, a, you know, the Valley, you could substitute it out for, you know, Agora Hills, you could substitute it out for Orange County in some cases. People make that decision based on how much they think the person they're talking to is familiar with the area. Right. So were you were you in Los Angeles, California proper? Uh, so I grew up uh, in the San Fernando Valley um, in the nor- North Hollywood, Sherman Oaks area and um, yeah. lived there until uh, I went to college. I went to UCLA, and once I started going to UCLA, I I lived uh, on campus for a little bit, around campus for a little bit, and then post-college, I lived in in West Hollywood for, I think, about a year or so, and then I moved to New York. And was your experience growing up uh, in L.A., did you feel feel a sense of you know, sort of the industry, the, 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 the television, the film industry, and also, of course, the music industry being kind of, you know, at your fingertips, or did you feel removed from that? Like, how much of a relationship did you have to the sort of, like, this is what artists do? Because c- kind of what you were saying, you know, you have this sense of what it must be like to be on a label or, or what have you. How how much, like, how observant of that kind of stuff were you? Because obviously there's there's experiences of living in this area that have absolutely nothing to do with that. But a lot of people just assume, like, oh, yeah. that's Hollywood for you. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really until I moved away from Los Angeles that I realized that that sort of philosophy existed. When I first moved to New York and people were like, oh, you're from Los Angeles? Did, are your 
parents actors? Like, did you hang out with actors all the time? And I was like, what's Martin Scorsese like? Wait, he doesn't even wait. He's not even he likes where you are. What? Yeah. So, no, I mean, I I was aware of all of those things, but it was that was just the reality. You know what I mean? It just it seemed it seemed convenient, I guess, that when that magic day happened, when I would get signed to the amazing record label, it would be convenient that their offices were in the city that I lived in. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I I think because of the nature of the cities, I I actually ended up witnessing and running into far more celebrities when I moved to New York than Mm -hmm. when I lived in Los Angeles. But I guess it, it did and does does happen. Um, every time I visit LA now, I just sort of visit my family and don't leave the house. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so I have sort of a, I I don't really know what modern day Los Angeles is like. Are there? Uh, I mean, well, you tell me. You're really missing out. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's like every other block is a lemonade stand that Jack Black is selling lemonade from. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I I it's it's I think it is. Uh, still very I mean I I would say the I'm sure that there are areas where you're going to your your sort of per capita experience of seeing people who are recognizable in some way are are bigger um I feel like you know that the Los Feliz Silver Lake area is primarily known for just people who like being kind of under the radar in some way and so they're sort of treat the, the the behavior is is likewise that way you know what I mean it's like the nursery I've brought this up the other day but this nursery where I like to get plants is just like a little independent you know small business nursery that's been around forever and um and the last time I was there Mark Ruffalo was there with his kids and I've seen him there twice and it is it's just such a like it feels like there's it feels like you're in an environment in which no one is ever going to go up to him and say hey man I just want to say like it feels like everyone understands that like that's not what anyone's here to do um well I feel like that's that's a good thing right yeah big time yeah yeah I mean that's what I think attracts people um on this side of town versus like if you've made the decision to live in Beverly Hills and like sort of you know, do your shopping where you are also going to be around a bunch of tourists. Perhaps you are comfortable with right. being recognized and having someone ask to take their picture. You know, I think so you can sort of you, you really can kind of build your own Los Angeles experience as as a resident in, in kind of a unique way, perhaps more unique than 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 some cities. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's just such a it's such a big place, as, as we were saying before. What, what was your high school like? It was a giant public high school. Mine, too. And, I mean, you know, that and, and going to UCLA, which is a giant university, that's that's all that I knew. And when, when I run into people who went to a really tiny high school or college, uh, it's it's always fascinating to me. Same. But, yeah, it was, I don't know, my high school was good good and bad. I mean, I'm, I'm sure everybody... Everybody says that there it was it was clicks of every sort you could imagine because it was Los Angeles and because it was such a big high school. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, but now I want to stump you and come up with some like really rare clicks that I'm <laughs> like you if you would attest me on. I'm like, okay, the chess club, French speaking, <laughs> goths. Oh man. 
if if that <laughs> click existed, I'm really mad that I was not a part of it because I'm sure that those all of those people like own Microsoft and Amazon now. Exactly, exactly. Where did you where did you sort of make a a home, if such a thing can be said, in within that uh, kind of social environment? You know, I had a really good group of friends in high school, um, which was nice because I sort of. Prior to junior high and high school, I, I sort of jumped around elementary schools a bit and never really had a solid group of friends. But once junior high happened, I, I did make some good friends. And we, I guess if, uh, I guess if we were on Gossip Girl, you would <laughs> call us normies. Like we were a very unremarkable <laughs> group yeah. of people. But I was always, like, I at that point, I was already playing music and sort of realizing that I didn't quite fit in with people, but not really knowing why and mm. sort of not knowing how how to figure out why and, and how to act differently. And um, I think music came at a really good time for me because it sort of let me put some of my young uh, angst and confusion into something productive, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How did, how did that, what brought the guitar to you or you to the guitar? You said you were in junior high. Was it something that you, that someone suggested to you? Was it something? No, it, it, um, I just started to like, music quite a bit um at that age uh and I never I never really did before I mean I I enjoyed you know I, I have these these really random memories of like putting on a pair of sunglasses when I was like seven and trying to sing along to Huey Lewis and the news but man <laughs> but yeah the yeah. sunglasses. Listen, the sunglasses played a big role because they were very prominent in the video. I want a new drug. So right, it right. really felt like you were connecting with Huey, putting on the sunglasses. I, I, I feel exactly the same. You, so you understand, but I never really. That's I, not necessarily the music either. That you're like, he gets me. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah. totally fun music, but it's different to feel like you, you something. You're hitting something deeper with yeah. someone else's, you know, songs or words or, or orchestration, et cetera. Um, yeah, although... Did you have a friend or a... F oh, oh, please don't let me stop you. No, no, no. I was just going to say, although the sort of genre that got me into playing music, uh, you're going to laugh or I'm going to laugh because you're like, oh, Huey Lewis isn't necessarily deep, but it, it really is was like the big hair rock era of music like Guns N' Roses yeah. and Motley Crue. That's um, powerful stuff, especially for an adolescent boy. Yeah, that's that's true, I guess. I think maybe I I always sort of paid more attention to the melody and the rock and the cool music videos than I did to the actual words they were singing. Mm -hmm. Um in in fact now now like when I listen to some of that stuff where I hear some of that stuff I, I'm like really that's that's what the lyrics are <laughs> like I, I actually sang that song like a thousand times when it would be on the radio or on yeah. on cassette or cd but I never actually paid attention to the lyrics and oh yeah. my god they're terrible <laughs> 
absolutely. Uh, did you did you grow up in a house where like do do you have brothers and sisters and and were your parents into music at all? Uh, I have a younger sister, and no, no, music yeah. really did not play a it's role a in our house at all. Part of it, I think it's a really big part of it because like I think about my mom, my mom having custody of me and her just never listening to anything but like public radio and you know thus maybe some Prairie Home Companion songs and then otherwise just like maybe having some classical music on like I I it, it I sort of shudder to think what my experience with music like when would I have come around to it as deeply as I did when I had a dad who was you know massive like music was a huge part of his life and he set his drum set up and played to the police and like wanted to talk to his daughter at a very young age like I remember my dad walking me through because wrapped around your finger was on and like that video if you recall Eric was like one of the you know five videos that got made and played on MTV mm -hmm. like nonstop. yeah and and my dad had to explain what the lyrics meant to me so like I was a kid who knew what like the Scylla and Charybdis was when I had no <laughs> business knowing but you know when you have a parent or or an older sibling a lot of the time on the podcast I'll, I'll talk to people who are like oh my god you know I my big brother loved X, Y, Z. And so I, you know, maybe I should say XTC. Uh, my, you know, my big brother loved, you know, these different bands and, or my big sister and I worshiped her. So she, you know, I, she, I, she's what got me into Pat Benatar or whatever. Um, but when you're, when you're finding it a little bit more on your own, um, I think it can have, it can take longer, but it can also be profound in a different way. Right. Because then it's really just this thing you discover that feels like you've unearthed something in yourself and outside of, of you, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, I think that that, that was def definitely the case. And it's actually sort of one, you know, a lot of, a lot of people complain about the streaming era of music these days, but I think that one of the positives is that the options are endless. And so I could wake up one day and decide I want to learn about a genre that I know nothing about. And I could just, for my $10 a month subscription, I could just go down the rabbit hole and just learn a bunch of weird stuff about Caribbean country music from the 1970s or whatever. Yeah, And I think it's, it's, it's kind of an amazing thing. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. It's a podcast that we do as uh, we, we are married. And how's the ad going so far? Because I think it's going very good. <laughs> we talk about things we like every week on Wednesdays. One time Rachel talked about pumpernickel bread. It was so tight. You cannot afford to miss her talking about this sweet brown bread. We also talk about music and poems and, you know, weather. There is one... Weather? <laughs> one time Rachel talked about Baby Beluga, the song, for like 14 minutes. And it just really blew my hair back. <laughs> so check us out on MaximumFun.org. It's a cool podcast with chill vibes. Amber is the color of our energy, is what all the iTunes reviews say. <laughs> they will now. So when did you start playing your own, like how... How quickly did you start writing, you know, composing music versus playing, like learning how to play guitar and, and, and playing other people's songs for yourself? Well, so I have a very vivid memory of, you know, 
my mom bought me my first guitar and I started taking lessons from a guy who would come to the house once a week. And I think about three or four lessons in, I discovered tablature, which was like all of these books you could buy that just <laughs> yeah, instead dots. of the notes, they had like the yeah. numbers on the frets that you would play. Yeah. And I literally quit lessons then <laughs> and just like taught myself how to play Guns N' Roses songs. Uh, and I think maybe within like two months, maybe even less, I realized that rather than focusing my energy on getting better at playing the instrument, I, I wanted to start writing songs. And pretty much since then, any sort of technical proficiency on every instrument has just been a byproduct of me trying to write better songs and make better records. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that. I think that if I had just uh, focused on the technical aspect of it, I think that my life would have ended up being very different. Yeah. If you just noodled, you were just yeah. always noodling yeah. on your guitar. If, uh, <laughs> when did you start? Um, when did that, when did that start? When you, when did you start kind of going like, well, I've had this idea of, the, of what this song would sound like in my head, but I don't, I wouldn't want a guitar for this part that's in my head. I mean, is that, am I characterizing that accurately? And, and, and when did that, did you start picking up other instruments? Uh, sort of, sort of a, along the way just as as um just as a way to sort of have more palettes to, to paint with on on records you know I, I would be making a record and i would be like oh i really love the sound of a synthesizer or a keyboard but i don't know how to play it but let me sit here and look at the keyboard and be like okay i know what this chord is on a guitar and i know theoretically what the notes are on a keyboard so let me just put my three fingers down there and yeah that that seems to work and then yeah over the years just doing it repetitively I've I've you know I could I could fake my way on a lot of instruments <laughs> so and so for some people obviously the answer and it's not to say it's one or the other but that that you know I think many people would say well I I knew I I was playing guitar Obviously, I started playing, you know, I, I, I started writing songs, but I knew I needed a bass line. So I, you know, found a bassist and I knew I needed keyboards because I wanted to have some sweet, you know, piano tinkling. So I found a keyboardist. I formed this band and I never played any other instrument because yeah. there was always someone else there to play it for me. Did you do a little of both or, or, or was it really kind of like this is my this is my time and I don't want to have to wait for someone's availability to make get the sound that I want? Well, at first and for the longest time, I did think that the only way that you could do it and do things was to get other people involved. And fortunately, at some point, I realized that, that that's that doesn't need to be the case. And I've I've become a much happier human being once I've realized that. So, yeah, I mean, I've I've you know, I've I've played in bands and have had people in my bands for a long time but I think that it's it's far more exciting a and far I mean it's kind of the same thing but far less frustrating b <laughs> uh, it's just I, I I've never been someone who works well creatively with other people and I, I I I feel like I tell this story a lot 
lately, but, you know, in, in grade school, when they made you get into groups to do a project, I, I could not understand why we needed to do that. And, and I, <laughs> I think that many times I would actually walk up to my teacher and be like, why are we doing this? Can I just do it myself? It'll be so much better. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I think that there probably is a reason for that. And it probably makes people adjust to the way the world works a lot more. But for me, especially these days, knowing knowing in my gut that I really am happy if I do everything creatively myself, um, yeah. it's, it's much better. Yeah. Well, do you, so, <laughs> so hard not to, and I know you've had to tell, you said that you mentioned that you had to tell the story, so I'm not going to press you on no, it no, too no, much. No, 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 please, please, please. But the, but, but obviously the, the, the place that one's brain goes and, and what's incongruous about it is that you, like I said, your music is very accessible and it's, um, and I, obviously I don't mean that in like a bubblegum sort of like anyone can enjoy it, but like the, the personality of the music is very accessible in a way that you feels inclusive. And so that person, but now, by the way, I'm not saying that, like, I don't believe that that's, that this is the same person that's writing songs. And by the way, again, it's like not all the songs are the same or anything like that, but, but that person doesn't necessarily seem like the person that you could draw the conclusion is the one who's like, listen, peons, I think I can do a pretty good job of this presentation and you're just going to drag me down into the <laughs> mud where you are. Like that's, that's not, you know, even well, if you told me like, you know, there are certain artists where if it was like someone said, like someone was like, Oh, guess what kind of kid Morrissey was? You'd be like, yeah, that figures. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not surprised to hear that. You know well, what I mean? No, it's, it's true. And you know, a, a thing about this living room tour, uh, is that, you know, not only did I encourage questions during the show, but we were hanging out before and after the show. And so people would ask me questions about stuff. And without fail, you know, every time I try and describe to someone, quote unquote, that I am a happier person when I don't play with other human beings, I get just a look of horror on people's faces. (laughs) Like they don't, they don't understand because they encounter me as a nice person and I like to think that I am a nice person. And, and so don't get me wrong. Um, I think an important thing that I need to remember to talk about in (laughs) when I have this conversation with people is that I like, if you want to just hire me as your bass player, I'll be the best hired bass player ever. And I will show up and I'll do whatever you want. And I will have a smile on my face. I'll probably buy you coffee and you'll love me and it'll be the best. But if you call me up and you're like, Hey Eric, do you want to collaborate on some songs? Then we will end up not being friends. And I (laughs) I think that, 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 you know, whether or not that helps or hurts my cause, I don't know, but Right. Um, I just think in life, we, the older we get, we learn what we like and what we don't like about the world. And if we're smart, we put ourselves in situations that make us happy. And if we're not smart, we keep putting ourselves in situations that keep frustrating us. And so I just, I don't know. I've learned, I've learned this Which is also a guarantee myself. that you're going to be, and you're going to be frustrating the people around you. I mean, it's not like you know, there's some kind of altruistic move where, where, 
you know, there aren't, I don't, there, I, there are not that many situations where, you know, on a day-to-day basis with, with someone who's trying to just respond to their environment and themselves in a way that kind of makes everybody happy that, you know, that the answer is, well, the best thing for society, Eric, is for you to be in a band with people right, because right, right. that's really where the good stuff is going. You know, it's like, that's not, um, that's, it's not, it's, that's not important enough to, to risk other people being comfortable or uncomfortable either. So I think it's like a totally reasonable choice to go. And I think that's true. I mean, we all have some version of that, I think. I mean, I think if you are proficient at something and you're passionate about it, especially when it's something creative. Um, also, like, now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> and now that I'm thinking about it, it seems crazy that that we would make that assumption just based on the fact that we understand music as like oh bands versus like no one I I I mean listen I'm sure I'm not saying anything new here but it's not like someone was like uh listen uh, Van Gogh uh (laughs) I'm gonna I have an idea for I would love to paint one of these sunflowers like it's not you know it wasn't like someone was like Dylan Thomas your poems are gonna be so much better if you just do it with three other people like there's no you know, there's no, there, there's no, but because, and and if you were just, you know, Billy Joel or whatever, and you were sort of known for mostly playing the piano and the idea was like, you would point to other people who were studio musicians or you would put your band together, but you were clearly the boss that, you know, that's a very different vibe than like, we're this band, we make this music together. And even that can be completely fraught. You know what I mean? And so I completely, I, it's, it's, it's funny that 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 would be a particular kind of thing where, you know, because you choose to have more than one instrument <laughs> uh, in your music, that there would be this sort of expectation that there would be this whole band being a part of something all the time versus like, well, why? But you know how you want it. <laughs> it's your it's right. your it's your creation. Right. If you can make it. If well, you can flesh it out in every way the way you want it, that doesn't mean that in life you're not a collaborator. It means that that particular form of expression for you is one that you do alone. Well, thank thank you for saying that. And I do, I mean, I think of bands like the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, and I'm like, how cool is it that they were able to or are able to tolerate each other for so long? But that- so many of them can't, or they break up and they give it to- you know, right. I mean, right. And that's, again, like I, I grew, I grew up understanding that the police hated each other. So in right. my mind, I'm like, yeah, I get it. That seems hard. Right. And I think, I think you see that more often than not. You see a band on a trajectory that seems to be doing pretty well. And then they go on tour a couple of times and they start hating each other. And yeah. And then all of a sudden they don't exist anymore. And I also think that for the most part, Maybe when we listen to a band, we don't really understand how collaborative or not collaborative it is and what the personalities are like in the studio or on stage or in the van or on the bus. Um, And I don't know. I I would venture to say that more often than not, there there is the one ego who's trying to dominate the other egos. Yeah. But and, I mean, and in that case it would be you, but you're sparing everyone that. <laughs> yes. And by the way, those students made dumb reports and they did drag you down into the mud. <laughs> yes. They did. I hate them. <laughs> 
Now, did you uh, did you date when you were in high school? Uh, no, not really. I don't think I really knew how to. I think that, uh, I mean, I was, I, I think prior to high school, I was pretty kind of like a nerdy loner kind of guy. And I was also like a fat kid, which complicated matters more. Um, and so I think, again, music was a positive thing because it, it let me put some of that angst and emotion into something productive. But I think that what ended up happening was uh, like I would have a crush on someone and I, I would write a song about her. And then I would even like play that song at a show or at the school assembly, but I would never go up to her and actually ask her <laughs> on a date. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, did so, anyone, did anyone later find out like, wait a minute, that song was about me? Uh, I don't actually think that I made much of a secret of, of <laughs> who it was about. I like, I see, I see. <laughs> and, and I think that, oh my God. that like, that's it, amazing. it literally like, uh, like that was one of the things of life that I did not understand is I, I like the music industry where I thought that if you were in a band and you wrote a good song, someone would just come up to you and say, all right, you're on a big record label now and you're super famous. Congratulations. Um, And I sort of just assumed that if I wrote a song about a girl and I played it in the world, that the rest would fall into place. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I will tell you that that is not the case. (laughs) Even if even if doing that, uh, so so doing that did not create a, a, a sense of mystique and like sort of mysterious aloofness that you you would sing a song for someone and then mysteriously never actually approach them to ask them out. Yeah, I mean, I think the aloofness thing is good. Um, <laughs> I just think that there needs to be like. <sighs> There needs to be a limit to your aloofness, right? Because if you're so <laughs> yeah. aloof, then like nobody knows how to find you. And then you're just like sitting in the dark by yourself. And <laughs> Right. Right. Ay, ay, Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. Hello, I'm Oliver Wong, scholar, journalist, and DJ. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. I'm a music supervisor. We host Heat Rocks, a podcast where we invite our favorite musicians, writers, and scholars to talk about the albums that have changed their lives. Join us as we discover forgotten classics. I think that Boots Riley is one of, if not the most underrated MCs in the history of hip-hop. Reminisce about our faves. I was always feeling like a little bit of a tourist when I would listen to like Big Daddy Kane. And suddenly when De La Soul came out, it was like, hey, you can dance and be goofy and have fun and love hip-hop and you don't have to pretend to be anybody but yourself. And of course, talk nonstop about his purple majesty, Prince. Having your idol listen to your music, it's life-changing. It's the thing you want from your parents, so to speak, or that you didn't have. Heat Rocks, every Thursday here on Maximum Fun. Oh, God. Okay. This is, um, you know, I, by the way, I did a, an interview recently where a, a girl who 
bless her. Listen, bless her. I appreciate any coverage for, I was promoting Fortune Rookie, which I like, you know, you sort of get excited about talking about it to anyone, but it was one of those interviews where someone clearly had very little interest and sort of everything felt like it was on the, on the surface of like, you know, a morning show in the Midwest, all due respect to my Midwest listeners, but, uh-huh. it, but you know, the people I'm talking about because you were listening to this podcast, you were probably not that person, but it's, this is very surface saccharine kind of right. like the person who the, the woman who ha- is using the exact same, same tone of voice to talk to somebody who's, you know, like bagged and a a murderer who's on death row and wrote a book as like a person who wrote a children's book you know so she she finished the interview of asking these sort of bland uninformed questions by saying well I could talk to you all day but unfortunately we're gonna have to and I was like no you couldn't no you couldn't you can't wait for this to be over so my instinct was to say I could talk to you all day which I actually do mean and then uh I immediately poisoned myself by thinking about uh the woman who just tossed that off like we were suddenly best friends and it made me so sick to my stomach Eric I could talk to you all day but instead I need to get into this mash game with you because somehow I've chewed up 50 minutes of your time um just tapping your brain and and trying to pretend that I'm in my own private living room show without the guitar. Wow, that that went by really quickly, actually. I know. I know. I'm a little taken aback by it. If I didn't have numbers right in front of me proving it, I would would question it. Um, Okay, so the first question that I want to ask for your MASH game is you... You need to adopt a new, very specific style of presentation for yourself as a musician, and I w- and I do want you to consider all points in musical history. And I'm, you know what, I can expand it out. It doesn't have to be like you know you're pulling directly from, say, your Adam Ants. Right. It can be even something like, well, if I did, you know, you can go straight back to his influence and be like, well, actually, if I were going to do some like. French soldier shit from you know the 17th century so but like this is these this is going to be a a temporary new um very strong look for you okay from any era for you to present uh as a musician and I need to give you three three. right yeah yeah okay so number one 80s party guy hanging out with Spuds McKenzie You're definitely wearing sunglasses. Yes. There's no question. Number two is just full-on goth. Um, number three is hirsute caveman. <laughs> great. Great, great, great. Um, okay. Next one is... Uh, Man, I'm coming up with like unanswerables for you, which is not doing anyone any favors. But this is going to be like really abstract because I haven't even really formed the question yet. It's okay. But I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about you synthesizing. I'm thinking about you um, because you're so good at pulling sort of sounds we associate with something else and applying them in a musical way. So I'm I'm sort of imagining like a scenario in which you create three new instruments or three sounds that you haven't as yet kind of heard used in a musical type way. I know that's sort of really abstract. Does that make sense enough for you to kind of cough up some ideas? Sort of, sort of. (laughs) I know, that's about all I can ask. That's about all I can ask. Yeah, so number one, and then you can cut me off if I'm doing this wrong. There's no, I mean, listen, I don't know what I just asked, so I doubt that will happen. 
But number one, I think it would be cool to make an entire record made out of people sighing. This is brilliant. Are you kidding me? This is <laughs> that's better. I don't deserve that answer for what I just threw out at you. I love that. Okay, good. Um, number two, I would love to make a a melancholy record made solely from hilarious cartoon noises. And number three, um, I would like to figure out a way to convey musical notes from pure silence. And I don't even know what that would entail, but those are my answers. Uh, I think those are wonderful answers. I, I, again, I don't deserve the answers that you gave. (laughs) I think what I was, yeah, this is that, that's, that's even better than, than where I, I think, uh, yeah, this is all, that's absolutely brilliant. And that's absolutely what I was asking, even though Uh I didn't know how to it. sounds like I did it wrong. No, no, not at all. uh, Truly. I didn't even know what I, I had absolutely no idea in mind of what you could possibly say. So I'm so impressed that now everything like ticks a box that I didn't even know was there. Like, oh yeah, that's. That's beautiful. That's absolutely perfect. Okay, good. Um, yeah. I, the, the only reason I hesitated is that I still was trying to figure out why the fuck I asked you that and what <laughs> I thought it was going, like, where where, did, where was I coming from? And while you were thinking, I was asking myself that question. And the, the only thing that came up for me was, I remember my mind ble- like being like unnecessarily kind of naively blown the first time I heard Bell and Sebastian's song "If You're Feeling Sinister," mm-hmm. because they use children's a child like children playing in a playground as the beginning of that's the first sound you hear yeah. of the song, and then it comes in with their sort of like bass and their little piano that they do, and I I just remember being so blown away by that, thinking like, oh my god, they're they just created a soundscape and an emotional response in me that far exceeds what the rest of the song brings to the table just by doing that. And yeah. so I was just thinking about that in relation to this. And so, but I, 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 I couldn't, oh, these are great answers. Okay. Um, next question is you can jump into three movies and you're not reenacting the plot. You're just there experiencing the world that you've gone into. Okay. The first thing that pops into my head is Tron, just because I think that would be cool. Um, um, that's my dream. I sometimes still have dreams that I'm in Tron, and I get really sad when I wake up. <laughs> the second one would be Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, um, just because that was a movie that I really loved when I was growing up, and they everybody in that movie seemed to have a really good time. Yeah. Supposedly they're making another one. Yeah, that's what I heard. That's what I heard. <laughs> I hope that it's good. Yeah. And then probably Ghostbusters, just because it's Ghostbusters. Great. Great, great, great. Uh, okay, next category is three... I guess let's do three real places, three real places in the world that you would like to have a sort of getaway home if getting there were no problem. So my wife and I went to Japan for the first time uh, earlier this year, and uh, we went to the the island of Naoshima. That's this cool, like, uh, island f- full of weird museums, um, and it it was it was it was fantastic. And so I would choose that as number one. Beautiful. Um, 
I've never been to Iceland, but everybody who has been says that it's the most fantastic thing in the world. So I'll choose that as number two. What are we waiting for? Why haven't we gone there? You've never been either. No. And like based on all information I have, maybe I'm too afraid to go there because I'm never going to want to leave or I'm afraid it won't live up to my expectations because consistently ditto like everyone and and it's not just like it's the most pretty place they've ever been it's them knowing what i like and saying this will be your janet varney's place that you think is the most beautiful place in the world so they're customizing it for me and i still haven't been well i figured it out you should go there get a hotel room and then host a say hi living room show in your hotel room done and then we could make it happen. Done. That gives me a very specific goal. It gives me a job and a responsibility <laughs> to the public. I will act on it with pride. Uh, okay, great. And then what's your third place? Um, and this is these are these are vacation home places, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Opposed to what though? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, opposed. To, I mean, listen, it could be a, a, a place you would like to go to work. I mean, I, I'm going to choose New York City just because I'm always jealous of those people who have like a New York apartment. And even though yeah. it's not necessarily a vacation home, like. No, that's a good point. There's a lot of the places I would pick. I, it's not I'm not good at doing nothing. So I would clearly yeah. want to be still busy. Yeah, that's good. That's good to know. Not not that's a good point. not everybody in this world understands the concept of not being good at doing nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm really good at doing it in bursts, but it has to be because I I know that there's something on the other side of it that I'm excited about that feels like it's going to take something out of me. <laughs> I, I'm just, I, I just can't ever do nothing. Like, yeah. I need to be doing something. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I absolutely get it. Uh, let's do m- my perennial favorite three foods that are either uh, rare or uh, perhaps not um, the smartest thing to eat for one reason or another now, or it's impossible for you because of an allergy. Three things that you like as specific or as general as you want that you can eat in your fictitious mash world with zero ramifications. Uh, Double bacon cheeseburgers. Great. Number one, chocolate ice cream. Number two. Great. And just, just, delicious cereal all day long yeah yep <laughs> like, that, like that the last answer was like just 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 delicious cereal yeah. you understand uh, oh i do god i love cereal um okay next uh next question is let's do three characters from anything that's not real uh so books video games, film, music, anything uh, that you would love to have some sort of interaction with in real life, whether it's long-term or an afternoon. Um, just three interesting, fictitious people that you wish were real so that you can engage with them on some level. The Statue of Liberty as a person. <laughs> Wonderful. That's beautiful. Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Great. And, um, so when I wasn't, when I wasn't listening to your podcasts on tour, I was listening to the audio book for Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. Yes, indeed. Which I read a very, very long time ago, but 
I had forgotten most of, but um, there's a character in that called Madame Psychosis. Who Great. So I'm going to choose her. Wonderful. Boy, that's good company. I'm glad that if you were able to go from his writing to my <laughs> just meandering uh, and loud laugh, that's I feel uh, I feel I'm taking it as a huge compliment, like it or not. Um, uh, okay, three. <laughs> I don't, again, I'm asking a question that I guess like comes from some clearly subconscious or unconscious whatever we're saying exists nowadays I guess subconscious is like gauche uh or unconscious I'm, I'm clearly having like my own unconscious experience at wanting to ask a question that I think would be satisfying for me to be asked yet I have no idea what I would say <laughs> so I don't understand where these are coming from but I'm just going with them three activities you'll get where this is coming from I'm sure from the earlier in our conversation but three activities that for like they can't take place in your in the comfort of your home with you just sort of wearing whatever you want at whatever energy level you want that in this fictitious mash universe it's not necessarily like it's a vr experience like you can actually do it somehow magically but like it's three things that um you wouldn't do unless you could but but in this world you can do them in your home so then that makes it something you would still want to do does that make any sense sort of like I was thinking about when we were like seeing live shows, like there's elements of that that I miss, but the elements that I don't miss are kind of what keep me from going. So if I could sort of, it's kind of, it's kind of like you could do a living room show of something completely different. Like, would you skydive if somehow you also were in your pajamas and right, you're right, safe right. at home? Like it, you had the same feeling you get kind of, you could have like a weird combination of the two feelings. Like you could feel excited, but you wouldn't be jumping out of an airplane, but it's also not VR. I mean, none of this, none of what I'm saying makes sense. This is my most no, weird. I understand. I understand. Definitely. Um, okay. So I think like if at like nine or 10 AM, I could VR myself into a hot and sweaty, like, like soul music, club type situation yeah. where yeah. I'm just like dancing that would be awesome and like that morning morning soul club yeah great and like that could be my workout instead of the treadmill like that would be amazing yes, yes I love this um I think number two being able to VR myself in as any player of any band of any specific concert so I could be like okay now i'm the guitar player of pink floyd on this specific 1970s Ooh, show and I i'm just like that. i look down and it's my fingers playing the guitar yeah um and number three i think because i'm not i'm not a sports guy at all mm -hmm. like it, it would be cool to be on a on an NFL team and like, <laughs> like, like feel what it's like to be tackled or to tackle someone or to like catch the football in, in, in an end zone. Yeah. I feel that I, I, I completely agree with you. And my version of that is definitely to be an amazing tennis player because <laughs> I, I love, I love the feeling of playing tennis, but I don't play well. Uh, and I just never really learned, you know, in a consistent way. And so when I watch professional tennis, it feels like 
it it honestly does feel like for them it must feel like the matrix where the bullets are just going more slowly right. because when things are happening at that high of a speed i just can't imagine responding that quickly you know and so in my mind people they're sort of seeing time slow down like that's my magical way of explaining like being good at that you know yeah okay great okay a uh, final category all due respect to your wonderful wife, uh, with whom I know you've shared many an adventure, not the least of which was going to Naoshima. And I'm going to feel really guilty if you get like a crush from the 80s instead of her and you end up with a place in Naoshima. You can dump this person. You can dump this person you're about to fictitionally get. Fictitionally? Not a word. Uh, uh, it, so three, three. it could be characters. It could be people from any time. You know, d- the sky's the limit. It could be cartoon uh, for some romantic interludes in, in this fake future, I think maybe I think maybe because I've I've listened to a bunch of your episodes, I like spent all of these answers on the other question of s- spending time with people. I should have saved like Statue of Liberty and Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> for romantic interlude, right? Uh, do you want me to Do you want me to turn? Well, listen, you picked. Three ladies. You ple- you picked Madame Psychosis, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Statue of Liberty. I can convert that category into it's your spending time, and there's something uh, kind of sexy about it. Yeah, convert. You want to do that? Okay, convert good. It. Let's con- consider it converted. All right. Final category. Final category. We solve that problem. No issue whatsoever. Final category is uh, something. Three things. I mean, again, completely as as abstract as you want. Three things that you wish you could make with your hands. It could be something that is based in like you wish you were a great cook or it could be you wish you could make dragons. Anything. That you, but <laughs> it would be handmade. It would be handmade by Eric. I wish that I could just like make a car. Great. I wish I could make... Um, all I can think of is like technology and that's kind of boring. Um, <laughs> Some people would say it's the most exciting. I wish that I could make a magic carpet. Great. And I wish that I could make the best bowl of Japanese ramen that oh, anyone has ever tasted. So many people. So many people. You would attract undue attention to yourself. You'd be like, oh, no, I wish I wish everyone didn't know that I made the best bowl of ramen. Now I'm yeah. never left alone. Uh, <laughs> okay, wonderful. So now just um, I'm just going to do a little something. So in the next couple of seconds, just within my squiggling, uh, just arbitrarily tell me when to stop, starting now. And stop. Okay, great. Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to do some some squiggling. Um, I feel that it's easier for uh, the syncing purpose for me not to make us pause and then pick back up. So what I have done, if you've ever listened to my phone ones, is what I try to force you into is um, while I quickly do this, you sort of tell people what you want people to know, what you think they should check out, anything you want to promote, um, anything you're excited about that has nothing to do with you. It won't take very long, but uh, but i'm I'm turning the floor over to you briefly okay that sounds good okay okay great yeah so again my name is eric and the band is called say hi um and a new record called caterpillar centipede came out in september um it's the 12th say hi record and it's called caterpillar centipede because i wanted to write a bunch of songs that wormed their way into people's hearts in whatever way oh, possible i didn't know that 
All right. That's very cool. And so um, you can buy the record on CD and vinyl formats uh, from my web shop or in any stores. Uh, the web shop is sayhowtoyourmom.com. Um, once upon a time, the band was called Say Hi to Your Mom. Um, it's also available on all streaming services if you prefer to consume music that way. And then uh, if you're interested, uh, my Instagram name is Eric Elbogan. My Twitter name is Eric Elbogan. And the Say Hi Facebook page is um, Uh-Oh, which is named after a Say Hi record. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, that was great. That was perfect timing because I just finished. Um, cool. Yeah, we make a really good team, but I know you don't <laughs> like to operate in team fashion. So I just want you to know that I'm not expecting you to collaborate with me on anything other than this Smash game. No, this uh, is this is fine because we're not making a musical <laughs> record together. We're not making a musical record. Um, okay, I feel very excited about these results. All I feel, right. I feel selfishly very excited about all these right. results. So first of all, I want to. Uh, congratulate you on your ability to wherever you are uh in any of these new places i'm telling you you're going to have some kind of residence uh that in the morning or in fact any time when you want to uh get a move on get your get your groove on uh you can instantly be not only at home but also in a in a in a soul club Yes. Uh, where you're just like grooving and like grooving yes. on the energy of other people, um, and uh, and sort of getting energized and and athletic in that way. I love it. Yeah, you uh, you're doing that so often that you know you're you're definitely working up an appetite. I think that the kind of theme of it, especially if it's like the sort of morning soul club situation and then the amount of unlimited delicious cereal you can eat with only <laughs> positive results is very very nice wow yeah uh this what i what i like and what i'm picturing for the cover of your next album in fact is the juxtaposition now follow me on this because i think we have a real like triangle of glory right here you are eating a bowl of delicious cereal on your next album where you are full on goth. Yes. And it's a album uh, that is a melancholy cartoon noises album. <laughs> what? Serial <laughs> goth, serial plus goth equals melancholy cartoon sound album, right? That's that's the title right there. That whole right? giant sentence you just said. <laughs> It would still work with your aesthetic. Amazing. I'm very excited. Amazing. I'm very excited. You worked very, very hard on this. So I want you to know that you have deserved this vacation that you're about to go on uh, to your place in uh, in Naoshima. On Naoshima, <laughs> I mean, perhaps I should say. And by the way, it's a shack, but like, what do you want? Some huge mansion? You'll, you you're gonna, you want to be out there at the For museums sure. enjoying the space itself. Sure. So you don't want to make this huge footprint on this place you already know you love. So it's just a quiet little spot. Uh, for you to lay your head uh, and, and the rest of the time you're engaging with this this wonderful uh, environment that you're in. Uh, and you can uh, have that experience uh, e with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> All right. And I want you to know that you are going to be kept extremely safe from vampires. Yes. Uh, yeah. So well done, you. You, uh, you invented, uh, just with your hands, you were able to make your own car, which I think is kind of miraculous. Yeah. Um, 
I am going to extend that. And because that all, this also makes sense to me, I'm going to extend that to you can also make your own light cycle. Oh, because somehow that works. It's like, oh, you're almost like Flynn. You're almost like a user. Like you go into Tron and you can sort of build the vehicles that you're inside, <laughs> like what, like they do when they are holding their little batons and all of a sudden like yeah. a light cycle quickly builds around them. So you can do it in real life and you can do it when you, whenever you want, disappear into Tron. I'm so envious that you got Tron, but I'm so excited for you. <laughs> I'm going to have to pay a visit. Anytime, uh, anytime. Yeah. Just yeah. don't try and write an album with me. I will not. Listen, if there is one thing I walk away sure of <laughs> is that we will never, ever record an album together. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with just being a fan, Eric. I really well, am. I'll think about it. You're, you've been very nice. I'll think about it. it well, listen. It might it, not end look, well. You might. I don't need to make anything with you, but if you're ever like, I really need you to sing this the, this harmony that I can, can I can totally control you. You could be my uh, <laughs> voice robot, Janet, and you'll just I'll just do whatever you tell me, and I can sing harmony. Then I will do that. All right, I love it. Uh, that that's a pretty that's a pretty safe solution, I think, because I'm not going to have any opinions. Um, uh, thank you so much for doing the podcast. What a dream come true! I'm so happy. Oh, it feels... well, thank you so much for having me. It it uh, uh, like... thank you for thank you for lending me your song for the last six or seven years. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I love it. It's so fantastic. And, you know, I, I listened to a bunch of them, like I said, on the road and, um, I would always forget, you know, I would start the podcast and I would be like, Oh look, there's me. And then I would, I would listen to the whole podcast and I would forget again and I'd be like, Oh look, there's me. <laughs> that makes me so happy. I, I've had more than one person say, you know, Janet, because you're the recording where you, where you credit the musician at the end is has been the same low these many seven years uh, that that they thought that your your entire title was the amazing say hi <laughs> yeah. um so but i guess it's fair it's fairly easy to correct self-correct when you're on uh google looking to to purchase more of your music so uh i feel like um not too much damage was done there just because I think you're amazing. And I made the mistake of attaching how amazing I think you are to the credit I give your song. No, uh, I, I appreciate it. And I, I have to say, uh, the fact that you credit me is pretty awesome. And I'm going to segue this into one of the things that I really, really love about your podcast is I have a hard time with podcasts that are like, this podcast was written by me and it was directed by me and it was produced by me. And if you want to find out more about me, you can go to this, my website, even though I did talk about my website earlier, but <laughs> I, I asked you to, but, but I like the fact that you just sort of give a shout out to a couple people and then you just jump right into it and you're just talking to people. And so I, I appreciate that. And I like, that's why I enjoyed listening to your podcast so much. I mean that oh, among other reasons, but you understand what I mean? Thanks. I do. I do. And I, and I really take that as a huge compliment. I, when I, um, when I had decided to do a podcast and I knew that I wanted to have a theme, I didn't want anyone to write anything for me because at the time I think I only associated 
written themes with like <laughs> sort of jingles. And I mean that in the sweetest way, but there are, especially in comedy podcasts, which I don't necessarily consider mine to be a hundred percent, but there's a lot of like, it's Eric's podcast, Eric's <laughs> yeah. podcast, get ready yeah. for his podcast. Like that's sort of what I thought. And in my mind, I was like, what? I want something that I always feel good when I listen to. And so I knew it was going to be one of, I wanted it to be one of your songs. I was so afraid to reach out and ask. And, you know, I just wasn't, I was like, I'm going to totally understand if, you know, the answer is no, but like, this is, I, I, so I had like three or four of just your songs that I was deciding between. And then it just became so clear that the content of, uh, back before we were brittle made so much sense. It was like, why did I even have, three other one but I just enjoy your music so much that it all felt like so much of it feels like it connects with what you know prompted me to to do the content for the podcast in the first place and then that is just the most sublime kismet for me that 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 it would work so perfectly so it, it really has meant so much to me I think it really um it really like sets me it, like you tee me up <laughs> every <laughs> every week you tee me up and it's been so beautiful to hear um other people you know the musicians that I've had cover it um it's never as good as your version sorry everyone <laughs> but uh but no one's ever trying to get there so um but well, it's, I, it's I appreciate you you saying that and it it is I mean you by using it in the context that you use it 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 makes that song function in a way that I didn't intend for it to function. So thank you so much for using it. Oh my God. I'm so proud of us that we only <laughs> fawned over each other at the very end of the podcast. Like if someone didn't want to listen to us doing this to each other, they could have just turned off. So I feel really good about that because it doesn't mean they missed anything after the fact. They just decided they didn't want to hear us cooing over each other. But for those of you who are still listening, thanks for putting up with that because it was very satisfying for me. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Good. Uh, thank you so, so much. Uh, I really hope we get a chance to meet in person and um, guys, I'll talk to you next time on the podcast. The JV club is recorded by me and edited by the good folks at maximum fun. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.